This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Jeb with Rami. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. All right, thank you, Jonathan. 36 hours of purple. That's what we're in the middle of right now on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the Score North app. <laughs> Real quick, before we get to Mike Goley Jr., Rami, what did Randy in Cottage Grove just tweet? So one of our listeners said we may want to call on uh, Randy because he's using Lysol spray on his pizza for his family. Randy quote tweeted that and said, you spray it, then blow dry it off. No, dude. No. No. That's... No, that's not how. I what if he's right about it? I can't imagine way. we're talking to too many people out there, but. What if Randy Vikes You don't need right. to put Lysol on your pizza. I mean, you could use some wipes on the crust if you're not going to eat the crust. I guess. You know, it's, it's just, baked in a 500 degree oven, man. There are no oh, germs on your pizza. Man. How are you handling your pizza takeout or delivery, Mike Golick Jr.? You know what? I'll give the box a wipe down if I'm feeling ambitious, but there's no way I'm wiping a slice or anything like that, man. Like at at, at some you know what? At some point, if we stand for nothing, we're going to fall for anything. And I feel like I'm doing more harm to my body putting Lysol on my pizza than I am potentially wiping anything off of it. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you got to draw a line and just let the cards fall where they may with coronavirus. It could prove to be genius, guys. Could prove to be absolutely genius. So, all right, It, it could be. It could but you know what? I'm not willing to go that far. Social distance, stay home, but you don't got to wipe your feet. <laughs> so, all right, Mike Golick Jr., offensive line aficionado. The Vikings are always in the need, it seems like, for offensive linemen. I think if you were to make a ranking of their draft needs, you might put cornerback above it and wide receiver. They need a number two wide receiver, but they almost certainly are going to draft an offensive lineman somewhere fairly early, I think, anyways. Give us... Who are like the four or five guys? Give us your meat and potatoes breakdowns of who we should keep an eye out for on behalf of the Vikings on, uh, let's just say, nights one and two of the draft. Yeah, so night one of the draft, late in that one, I'm not sure if you're going to go for tackle at that point in it. Like at the end of round one and, you know, around the area where you guys are picking, it seems like with a lot of the rumors, the four big players in the tackle game are going to be off the board probably. I mean, when you're talking about guys, like Jedrick Wills, Mackay Beckton, Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, like the big four of this year's tackle draft are probably going to be off the board. So if you get late there, the guys that are super interesting to me and big-time athletes, I look at Austin Jackson from USC, 
6'6", 3'10", really, really smooth athlete, especially in pass protection there. Tons of upside because he's still kind of a raw guy technique-wise. A lot you can work with there to get better. And then the other one is Josh Jones out of Houston as far as tackles go. Another guy who's going to be a late first, maybe early second guy, multi-year starter there at Houston. A lot more polished technically, can add some weight to his frame, but a great one there. And then guards, man, I, I... I don't know why he's not being talked about higher, but as you talk about late first and into the second round, Jonah Jackson from Ohio State, he was a guard there. He transferred in from Rutgers this past season and was part of an Ohio State offensive line that we saw J.K. Dobbins run, man. Like, there were holes in that group. He is such a fluid athlete for how big he is. He's, I think, the best pass-protecting interior lineman in the draft. I don't know why people aren't higher on this guy, but if you can pick a guy up like that, because he's going to fall into the second somewhere, I think he could really be a great part of fortifying an interior. Football. So if if you were trying to get one of those, let's say, top four left tackles, Golik, how high would you have to trade up uh, to get, let's say, the fourth one who's going to come off the board? Oof, man, I mean, you're talking you're talking pretty high because in this way, if we, if we think that a lot of the rumors are true and a team like Miami's talking about trading up to potentially take a tackle, the Giants might be in the tackle market near the top of this draft. You're going to talk about two being off there, one being off for sure when we get to the Cardinals at eight, for sure with the, uh, the Browns at 10 right there. So once you get past that range of like the Jets at 11, I think you're going to need to be in that spot the middle of the first round, anywhere between picks 9 and 12, if you want to have at least a prayer of getting one of the top four guys in a class that seems like as we get closer to draft night, and I understand I take all these rumors with a grain of salt, seems like its value is going up the closer we get. Would it seem like a more prudent choice to you to do that and move up that high and give up the assets it would take or give up whatever assets it would take to get Trent Williams out of Washington? I think Trent would be an interesting one, having like a veteran, because you've got like obviously like Remmers, it's probably time to look for the replacement there, understandably, and we saw that last year. But like I like O'Neal on the right side. Like I think he's a good young athlete in the system right now, especially the offense that you're going to be running there. It's a run and cut system. It's bootlegs. It's all these things that he's going to do well. Garrett Bradbury is going to do really well. So I think you've got guys there that already fit the mold. If you could get for lack of a better term, an adult in the room, like get a vet in the room that, in addition to Trent, a great athlete, still one of the best in his position. I think that would be interesting, especially I look at teams that are getting ready to make a run. Like the Vikings are a team that everyone believes have a roster that's ready like this. I'm fascinated by Tampa Bay, who we all have them mocking an offensive lineman. But I think, hell, if you've got Tom Brady for one, maybe two good years in this, why wouldn't you bring in a veteran like Trent to protect him there? So the, the Trent Williams specter in all of this for the O-line draft is really fascinating because there are very good guys, but Trent is a ready-made product. Uh, Golik, you bring up Garrett Bradbury, the Vikings' first-round pick from last year, and it was it was a pretty disastrous start to the season in a lot of ways, and and there were some improvements. When you're drafted as a franchise center, how much leeway before is it? Is it two years, three years before you start to say, all right, one way or the other, like? He's either got it or he doesn't. How much can you how much can you go off a rookie season for for someone like Bradbury? I think it's tough because he actually had to play center. Like the interesting thing, and if you look at a lot of guys that are centers coming out of college when they're drafted into the pros, they usually start their first season or two at guard. Like usually they're brought into a situation where they get to play right or left guard, sit next to a guy, because the communication for a lot of these guys 
is going to go from a 100 level in college to a 400 level in the pros. Like I used to sit with pro guys. I used to sit with guys like Eric Wood, who was the center in Buffalo for years and talk with him about protections and things that he sees. And it's a master's class for a lot of these guys. And so that's what's on your plate in a lot of instances. And most college guys aren't ready for that or the physicality that comes with being isolated at times on the inside and having to be the main help guy. So I, I give Garrett a little more leeway because, A, I loved him coming out of college, and his coach, Dwayne Ledford, is at Louisville right now getting ready to pump out Makai Becton into the top of the draft. The guy knows how to coach. But I think Garrett is athletically perfect for this system. I think technically he's a good player. I think it's just a lot on your plate when you're not afforded that usual grace period most offensive centers are coming into the league where you get to start out at guard and ease your way in. Are you buying this Dolphin stuff about them actually trying to go up from five and and take a tackle, or is this just a pure day before the draft, a smokescreen, do you think? I think this is a smokescreen. I buy the fact that they might actually take Justin Herbert. Like I have enough people that I trust that have put that out there. and We've seen in recent years – Weird quarterback moves about the week before the draft. See Daniel Jones, see Baker Mayfield, Tyler Murray jumping up to one in a way they weren't mocked before. I understand those things. I can't believe they're going to jump up and take a tackle in one of those spots. Like You can get a good tackle where they're going to have picks and you've got plenty of them. Move to the middle of the round. You know, Get somebody to trade and use those late picks and some other capital in the draft to get up into the mid-rounds and get one of those guys, kind of like I discussed for the Vikings. But going up top and not going after a quarterback after all you've done to set this franchise up for that to be the piece, whether it is Justin Herbert, and I think it should be Tua, but if it is Justin Herbert, you are at least addressing the chief problem in this. It doesn't start getting better until that position does. I, I can't believe they would pick a lineman. Well, like I've been on the uh, the bigger end of the spectrum most of my life. Used to be much bigger, but I'm I'm still I'm still a big boy. I'm still thick, to borrow a little bit of your terminology. Is there anything more impressive in the sports world? Forget football. Is there anything more impressive in the sports world than the athleticism of a good offensive lineman and watching those guys do what they do? I, I completely agree with you. I don't think there is a greater joy, and I actually think. When people ask me about the difference between the college and pro game, that's my favorite part. In college, you're lucky to have one or two really good guys on your line, and the rest of them are guys like me when I played in college, quite frankly, who are going to be good, not great, who are going to not get you beat. But you see, I always tell people, watch an NFL offensive line across the board. Go on NFL.com and check out the All-22 copy if you get a chance. Like The things these guys are doing athletically in space at the size they're doing. I'll never forget when I was with the Saints in an off-season program, they brought Willie Rofe back. I think he was going into the Saints Ring of Honor or something like that that season. And they put on a highlight tape of Willie playing left tackle at the size that he was. And I just sat there with my jaw on the floor the entire time. Things that big should not move that well. And yet consistently <laughs> at that position, it happens, and it is remarkable. Of all the new uniforms that have been introduced this year, which do you think is, is the best and most flattering for a big boy, Mike Golick? Ooh, see, you know what? That is an important caveat in this because the best is still the Chargers. Like, when you're dealing with the color scheme they're dealing with and that bolt on the helmet, you're always going to win, and they didn't, they didn't ruin much. I would say best for a big guy is going to be Tampa Bay, and I specifically look at those all-pewter uniforms because it's a dark enough gray where the sweat stains aren't going to make you yep. look like a big, fat guy, and it stays away from some of the all-white. Like, there's too many whites. There's too many white pants. There's too many that the, the mustard yellow pants that the Chargers have now. You're going to look like a big fat school bus in those. And nobody wants. <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> these poor, like these poor Packers offensive linemen for years and years, just swassing out of their yellow pants. <laughs> Bring back so the creamsicles, so Golic. Creamsicles oh, for Tampa oh, Bay. Bring them back. That is the one thing I was disappointed not seeing in the mock. If those, we don't get to see Tom Brady in a creamsicle uniform. Why did he even make this move? That needs Agreed. to be negotiated in his deal. So dead on accurate right there. Football. Amazing. Well, give us uh, give us a plug. Give the audience a plug. Where can they hear and or see you over the next couple of days, uh, breaking down the draft and the aftermath? Yeah, so obviously we'll be having full coverage tomorrow and Friday on Gold and Wingo, getting you ready tomorrow, Thursday, leading up. Myself, Dad, Jason Fitz, Trey's going to be popping in, but he's getting ready for our main draft broadcast. We'll have the full recap around one on Friday. And also, myself, Jason Fitz, Mina Kimes, Dominique Foxworth, Field Yates, Harry Douglas, are all going to be locked in a Zoom chat on Thursday night, reacting to these picks, clipping them, and getting those out online on Twitter, at, at Mike Golick Jr., Instagram, at Mike Golick Jr. We're going to try and be getting it all out there because Lord knows, like we just talked about, we're expecting all the bat bleep crazy stuff to happen. Yes, awesome, man. All right, Golick Jr., thanks for coming on. Friend of the show, we appreciate it, and uh, enjoy this draft eve, sir. Oh, absolutely. You guys too, man. Can't wait. All right, see you, Mike. That's uh, Mike Golick Jr. from Golick and Wingo.